Welcome back to the Financial Freedom Podcast, delivered with personality by the team at Rachel Bell Wealth Management, along with their special guests. This is the second episode of the second season of our pod. We're really happy to be back. And it's also the second instalment linked to the subject of the sandwich generation. So we'll give a little bit of a recap on what the sandwich generation is before diving straight into a different element of it. Before we get into it, please note that the discussion points we cover in this podcast are our own views of those of the guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action. Super, that's out of the way. So if you heard the first podcast on this subject, you'll know that I was joined by practice principal Rachel, client experience director Pam and, and our special guest Julie Wannup. We spoke in the first episode all about the sandwich generation and how that can affect uh, older generations. Today we're going to focus on the sandwich generation and the younger elements of that. But before we go there, Rachel, please just give us a reminder of what the sandwich generation is and who fits into it. With pleasure, James. Very commonly now, we have um, at least three or four or sometimes even five generations of a, of a family. You can have grandchildren, children, parents in the middle, grandparents, and even great-grandparents going up the way. And fundamentally, uh, the person in the middle is often the ones that worry about those up and those that are coming um behind us, the, the younger ones as well. And often that person with terms of the sandwich filler um, can be a little bit neglected um, because they're trying to split themselves in numerous ways to help everybody else. Um, so that's where we look to provide as much help, support, guidance and advice for all generations where we can. So if you're thinking this is you uh, and you didn't listen to the the first episode of this season, you, you, that would definitely be of benefit to you because we covered some, some great areas and really explored um, what happens upwards and how the sandwich generation can can help and work with financial advisors to, to really plan for the future for their parents, grandparents, uh, and so on. Today, it's all about young people. Um, so just to paint the picture, I have got three, I'm in the sandwich generation, I've got three children, 17, 15, and, uh, and 13. Uh, Pam and Julie, I'm going to hand over to you, just a brief introduction, if you will, in case we've got listeners who weren't with us for, for pod one, and then where you're at in terms of the younger generation of your sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously on the first one, I was talking about my parents and my gran, who will be 100. Um, but for the purposes of this one, um, I am in the middle and looking down the way, I have three children, 23, 21 and 13. Um, so youngest, obviously still in, in school, um, but two grown up children who have started their own lives, their own journeys, doing very different things. Um, and, and obviously as a parent, always thinking about, you know, how they are and, 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 and making sure that they're okay. I have two children. Um, my son is 32 and my daughter's 28. Both are, um, away from home at the moment, but, um, starting to try and have some conversations about what career moves, where they see themselves in the future, trying to be transparent, as I talked about with, um, previous generation and julie just a little bit of background in terms of your your family your businesses for context um so we're family generation family business um alistair and i are fourth generation 
business started in 1914 and was based on agriculture and it's diversified into uh, renewables and um, still based in agriculture as well. Um, renewables, fertiliser, and then the other side of the business is leisure and golf. Thanks, Julie. So I suppose when it, when it comes to kids, if I, I don't mind kicking things off and, and saying that, as, as well as the day-to-day, are they doing all right in college? Are they doing okay at school? Are they happy? Have they fallen out with their friends or not? I mean, that's just general parenting, isn't it? If I look into the future, my concerns, and they are concerns really, uh, how are they going to get on the property ladder? How are they going to survive in a world that just seems to be getting more expensive by the month and the year? And that's a conversation that my wife and I have reasonably frequently, actually. And, you know, we would love to be in a position to say, well, let's just put money aside every month for a house deposit for them or, you know, but we're not in that world right now because we're, you know, we're paying our own mortgage and our own bills. Is that typical, Rachel? There's a real spectrum, um, and but in most instances, people around our age, you know, you're younger than me, James, but still have mortgages and still have a lot of demands on our income ourselves. Um, so whilst a lot of the time we would like to be able to do things, the reality is that, that we can't. Um, and sometimes the best thing that we can do in some instances is nothing because teaching our children how to manage their money and how to save and how to be independent financially themselves is a tool that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. So there can be a real danger in trying to do too much. Um, And again, I know I used the phrase on the previous part about putting your own oxygen mask on first, um, because sometimes it's just about guidance and education um, without feeling that we are the ones you have to pick things up and do things all the time. Does that make sense? It does. It it makes perfect sense, actually. Julie, You've got the busy day-to-day life of running multiple businesses. You've got two grown-up children, but you know where where do your fears lie as far as they're concerned, or what what weighs on your mind? Well, just going back to something Rachel said is, I believe the children have to learn themselves, and they have to live within the means. And they both have gone off on their own chosen career paths. Natasha's a physiotherapist. Brooks a surveyor. So. Both of them wanted to to get on the property ladder and Alison and I were prepared to help, but they have to live within the means, so they have to be able to pay their mortgage. So we left it to them to go out and when they were ready, they came and said, look, we're thinking about buying a house. And of course, we wanted to help with whatever we could, um, whilst not doing it for them entirely so that um, they don't learn the value of money and appreciate what, what they've got um, and I also think the work ethic comes into it as well, because Not if it's either. their own and they they take their pride in it, they will work hard. And I think that's really important for a lesson for the next generation. So they both went off and they found a house which they felt that they could afford their mortgage. Um, and they planned it all out themselves. But at the particular time is that the percentage for they, that was required for the deposit was the crippling side for them. So although they could afford the house and it was actually cheaper than paying rent, um, they couldn't re- raise the, the, the capital for the actual deposit. So that's when Alice and I went in and, um, to help and they put what they had forward and we helped with um, another proportion of that to, to, and to keep it even between the two so that um, 
it was fair to both sides. Now, one's living in Newcastle and one's living in London and the, <laughs> the property prices are extreme, to say the least. But So we've got a mansion and, and sort of like a cellar somewhere um, around the corner box, from Paddington yeah. Station. <laughs> uh, so it, it's been interesting, but it's been nice and, and rewarding for Alison and I to be able to, to help whilst knowing that it's affordable and still educating our children that life is tough and it's hard work and that's what it that's yeah. what life's about but proud of the fact that they've done it and um with a little bit of help from us but on the whole they've done it themselves Pam where are you in this in this journey of I'm, I'm listening intently because mine are almost there but not quite <laughs> so this is the next I suppose the next the next stage for for mine uh I mean my eldest is uh, has a year left at uni so um not not quite at buying house stage yet, but I mean, you know, time flies and and it will it will come upon us. But a drain on the resource, I imagine. Nevertheless, if if he's he off at uni, he? so yep. if he's off at uni at the minute, I imagine there's yep. some sort of monthly maintenance or yep. rent payments that are going out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're 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 able to help him help him with his living costs. Um, and he works as well, though, doesn't he? But he works. But I was just about to say, going back to what Julie was saying about about. I mean, I've I've always been. I, I think I've spoken on previous pods in in the other in the the last series about educating your children on on you know their finances and making sure that they um they understand the value of money and and you know all all Thomas Thomas is 13 and desperate to find a part-time job so if anybody out there has a part-time job for a 13 year old please do shout up um but my children have always worked um my daughter who's 21 and works full time I charge her rent absolutely I do because you know, if she, if she was living on her own, she would have to pay rent. So, and she's working full time, and so she's contributing to the bills. Um, so, a complete different situation to to Joseph, who who's still at uni. Um, so, so yeah, it, it is it is difficult when you know when you know demands on income are high, and but I, you know we are helping Joseph through uni. It will all be worth it, you know, when when we get to next May and and he gets his degree, um, and then he then starts his journey and. Um, but teaching them the value of money, working, um, supporting themselves, saving, um, you know, a proportion, if you can, of anything that you earn is something that I've instilled in them from a very young age. I think that's important, isn't it, Rachel? You know, we, 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 we try and do the same actually with ours. So when my boy was 13 and couldn't get a job but wanted some money, I said, well, you can come and clean my office and that's your job and you can do it every Sunday. And I'll pay you to clean the office. And why don't you knock on some doors in the building and see if anyone else wants those cleaning. And he's gone on now to serve me my first pint. Not my first pint. I was served my first pint by him in a pub a couple of weeks ago, which was a fan on Father's Day. It was a fantastic day. Oh, um, that's nice. It, one of the sweetest pints I've ever tasted. Uh, you know, and he pulled it, and it was a perfect pint as well. Did he pay um, for it as well? No, I had to pay for it. <laughs> I had to pay for it. He did not hesitate in shoving the car machine in front of my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so the, the office cleaning job's now been passed down to my daughter. So Excellent. she now cleans the office to earn some money. And our younger one at 13 is like, when can I have the office cleaning job? And it's something that gets passed through. Brilliant. So, you know, I think that's that's the value of money, isn't it? Because yeah. they are grafting for that, whether it's emptying horrible bins in our office yeah. or um, clearing up pots in a pub, it's, it's earning the value of money. But that's not, you know, not all young people do have access to that sort of education at home and it's it's probably something missing from 
the um, from the curriculum, really, but you, you do a fair bit about that, don't you, Rachel? Mm. We do, yeah. And, and I th- just um, to pick up on a couple of points that you raised that you raised there, James, I think when we're talking about children at university and when we're talking about um, the kind of start to find their own way in the world, there's a huge difference as well because sometimes you can have, depending on the course that they might be doing at university, or where you know. So if your child is at university in London. And they're perhaps, you know, studying a full-time course where there's little room for work. That's a totally different challenge and where they perhaps would need a little bit of extra support. Now, it doesn't mean to say they can't work the socks off in the holidays because they get plenty of holidays as well. But there's a, a whole d- different dynamic depending on where they go to university. And for when we kind of start working with young parents as part of the planning journey, we map in the ages of children where potentially they may need additional support and have the conversation as to what position they would want to be in, how much support they would want to be able to give the children. And actually we need to start planning for it now because if you start planning for it when the children are still at primary school, it's a lot better than finding that you need a few thousand every year whilst your child is at university in London. You know, So it's a fundamental part of the planning Everybody's journey is very different and there's no right or wrong. But as we discussed numerous times, James, if there's something that we can help to map out as much as you possibly can, it makes a huge difference when it arrives. And that goes exactly the same with saving for deposits for houses or, I mean, goodness me, the the, the cost of some weddings absolutely terrifies me. Um, and things that, you know, so whatever it is that you want to be able to support your children with, we just plan for it. But the education side, so what you were alluding to there before, I could really, really do a whole pod on what should be on the curriculum. And, you know, Pam and I uh, try and do as much as we can and Abigail um, for financial education in schools. Part of the challenge is it's extremely difficult to even get into the school and then to have time on the timetable um, to do that. Where we have done it previously it's been it was brilliant. Great. It's yeah. really, really good because fundamentally what we're looking to do is teach life skills, um, life skills on how to manage money, how much it costs to live. Because like you said there, James, unless you are taught that, unless you're sure of that, how are you ever going to know? You know, unless your parents do sit down and walk you through the bills or get you to pay rent or everything like that, then you're never going to know what the true cost is. Cleaning the offices on a Sunday you can guarantee he was really, really proud of getting the first wages from that and the sense of self-worth that that helps. But the life skills, so going and knocking on somebody's door and asking things like that, it's things that you that will see you through the rest of your life and it's so fundamentally important. Financial education, we are really, really strong um, at trying to deliver as much as we possibly can. Um, not just for children, for our clients' children, um, but also financial educations for young people starting out in their careers because the chances are that they haven't had it either. But to be fair, financial education for day-to-day money, I didn't have at school either. No. Um, you know, and I'm 50 now. So it's not new. It's not a new story. It's just that there used to be access to a lot more advice than there is now. So back to the sorry the, the sandwich generation and and the the younger element of it. 
Julia touched there on, well, you know, eventually we helped the kids with a bit of money towards the deposit, but they'd worked it all out. I'm saying I would love to be in a position to do that in five, six, seven years' time whenever they decide that they want to get onto the property ladder. Let's just talk a bit about the bank of mum and dad because that's a fairly um, hefty part of the sandwich generation. And I guess the bank, well, correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, so I consider myself to be the bank of mum and dad. My mum and dad probably consider themselves to be the bank of mum and dad as well. Probably, yeah. So it's not just the sandwich generation, actually, that's the bank of mum and dad. It can be any generation or any parent within it. Yeah. What are the numbers behind it? Have we got any numbers? We have, yeah. And and there are some huge numbers and the, these numbers always astound me. So there was a, a study done um, by Savills actually just this year in March 2023. Uh, the bank of mum and dad provided gifts and loans of around $8.8 billion in 2022. I mean, that, that figure is huge. Um, you know, $8.8 billion is effectively what our children and grandchildren have benefited from um, like just, just in one year. Uh, there's many reasons for that, though, you know, and a lot of the reasons are that it is harder to get on the property ladder now. And a lot of that is as a result of going back to 2008 with the financial crisis. Uh, and we all hear, let's see if I can pronounce this correct, correctly, the quantitative easing, um, which effectively meant that the house prices just continually went up. Um, but also lending criteria was got a lot tighter. So you could borrow less, but house prices were significantly more and you had to put down more of a deposit. So it's, it is a lot harder now than it was when I bought my first house at 21 and needed 5% deposit. Um, and you know it, it just didn't seem anywhere near as hard. And you can quadruple that challenge if you're trying to buy a shoebox in London. Um, because that's just a whole different ball game. Um, so, you know, thinking about, but again, the bank of mum and dad or your mum and dad, James, what you often find is that generation where they have the ability to really want to help. And it can actually be a really efficient thing for them to do. So we're talking about inheritance tax. Um, there's all sorts of ways that you can really efficiently support children and grandchildren and reduce your own inheritance tax liability at the same time. So sometimes we advise clients. In fact, we've got to think of one in particular yeah. whose son now says, Rachel says that you should just spend it <laughs> because <laughs> it's going to save you on inheritance tax. And it's true. It's totally true. Um, it's totally true um, because that's a very real issue. In some instances, unless they do give it efficiently and there's different ways that you would need advice on to make sure it is efficient. Um, but either you give it officially and you give it in its entirety or for every pound, potentially 40 pence is going to go in inheritance tax, potentially. So we're essentially talking about the the, the top, gen so not the sandwich, we're removing the sandwich generation yeah. and it's the generation above helping the generation at the bottom. Yeah. Because the sandwich generation is still, you know, quite often sorting themselves out. Yes, yeah. But if you've got the generation at the top that's helping the generation at the bottom, it means it often frees up the sandwich a little bit. Does that, if that makes sense? It does, no, it does. It does. Yeah. But it's also a sense of, I mean, it's like we talked on the previous pod, didn't we? It's having the conversation because what we assume that people want and what we assume that grandparents want for our children is actually often different. So you um, want your mum and dad to go off and cruise and spend a lot and kind of die with no money. Um, well, I know you don't want them to die, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, whereas they will get an awful lot of pleasure of 
being able to help and support your children, which means that they're also supporting you. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, but if everybody just kind of just has a chat about what they would each like to do and achieve um, and include the financial advisor in that team um, as well, then that's a really, really good, healthy and often enjoyable conversation as well. My children have... Um surprised me actually because I talked about the transparency in the previous episode so they have approached me about being transparent about what our wishes are um good yeah yeah what sort of wishes are we talking there Julie I seem so at Christmas, very door cremated or, or different wishes you've hit the nail on the head <laughs> ah, okay not good then <laughs> we went to visit my mother's grave and um my son was talking about next generation planning and one thing or another and our wishes and basically turned around and said, so where do you want to go then, Mum? <laughs> so the conversation has started, but not quite in the direction I wanted. <laughs> Maybe a little earlier than you anticipated. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got a warped sense of humour. <laughs> but it actually did then trigger off. It was, you know, it was all tongue-in-cheek. And um, my, my daughter then added to the conversation by saying, you do know, Mum, that when it, you get to this stage, we're not, um, I'm not caring for you. And, you know, took the wind up myself and I think, what? Um, <laughs> I'll just help you buy a house. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it then went on to the fact that she said, we need to talk about planning because I want to be your daughter, not your carer. And actually, at that That's point, really I thought yeah. that what has happened with Alistair and I and our parents has been absorbed by the next generation. Yes. And they are starting to think about it, albeit with a warped sense of humour. But we're, you know, we're getting there. There's and a message I think under there. There's a message under there. Yeah. yeah. Well, perhaps, you know, they're using humour as a, as a tool to, yeah. to start that conversation. But that's, yeah. you know, the conversation started. So, Rachel... If some, if, if a member of the sandwich generation picks up the phone and says, "I just need some help. I've got, I've got parents. I've got grandparents. I've got four kids. I, I, my head's all over the place. Where, where does the process? Where does the process start? A bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, um, just, not just one. <laughs> Surely, um, there's a there's a theme with multiple the, bottles of wine and you emerging here. There is, there is, Definitely. yeah, under the influence of Julie. But no, <laughs> normally what we what we would do is just listen, because. <laughs> What you want is for them to talk to you and tell you about what their worries are, what their concerns are, and it can actually end up being a bit of a mess in the in your head because you don't know which direction you're going to be pulled in and you don't know what you should be doing and you don't know where to turn for what you should be doing. So often just listening, we can hear fundamentally what's behind those worries and concerns and then start to just have a bit of a plan and sometimes just reassurance um, of where we start, and 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 if it is where you've got four children, parents, and grandparents, and you know you're working um, long hours, and you've still got a mortgage, that that's a pretty stressful, tough place to be, to be honest. Um, and I think we just need to kind of just make them aware that there is support, and we can plan for it because they're taking the first step of. Asking for advice. So, yeah. But typically, would they, would they come out with some sort of after the initial comment after you've listened and you've learned and absorbed? Would they typically come out 
a couple of meetings or whatever down the line with some sort of action plan or recommendations or something of that nature totally yeah and, and and as we talked about before and for transparency you know when we are first engaging with clients there's no obligation and there's no cost at that point um when we put recommendations in place when everybody's happy with everything and we've gone through all of the relevant paperwork um and making sure that it's best advice has been given but we don't try and tackle it all at once you know, so sometimes the recommendations will be for a number of different things. But if we tried to look at sorting everything out for your children and your parents and you at the same time, you'd fall over. And it's not realistic to expect to be able to do all of that at once. So it's tackling the priority first. And sometimes the priority can be speaking to other people before they speak to us. So to, just to say, for example, um, we've talked a little bit about the lasting powers of attorney um, or making sure that your wills reflect your wishes or as Julie was saying there before, you know, so where do you want to go then, uh, mum? You know, all of those kind of things. So in some instances, we um, will recommend a meeting with the solicitor before we then um, do any planning because if that's their priority and that's something that's a real worry – or often we will help them to help the parents get the power of attorney in the will. They need us after that part's been sorted. Um, we then kind of move on to what the next priority is and we just take it in sustainable chunks whilst they can still manage their own lives a little bit better, but knowing that they've got a bit of support there now. Julie, Pam, do you, do you ever think you're going to be fully there in terms of, I'm in the sandwich generation and I've aced it. I'm done. I'm sorted. <laughs> the plan is signed and sealed. No, because there's always something new that comes <laughs> along. Just when you think you've sorted one problem, because you've got multiple generations to worry about as well, it would be a miracle if they were all all right all at the same time, wouldn't it? So, you know, something something else happens. But, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's 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 one step at a time, isn't it? You just you deal with each issue each problem as it comes along and there's happy moments in there as well oh, there is you yes. know we're, we're, well, there's lot there's loads of happy i mean there's yeah. lots of happy we shouldn't get away from the fact there are no, lots, of lots of happy, happy moments, moments in family life yeah and um you know generally the highs far far outweigh the lows yeah it's just that the lows can come as a bit of a sucker punch can't they Absolutely. and um, yeah yeah you're very quickly all those highs just evaporate and you're yeah. all consumed you we've, know? we've actually done a little bit of um maneuvering with with the children or can I call them children on on that basis in that after we had a conversation with Rachel and, and Pam about sort of doing some of our planning we then decided that through the transparency that it was a good idea to keep the children informed about what we were doing in our lives our plans for the business whether they came back into the business or not um and and sort of things that we do or don't want to happen. So we've decided to have um, a one-up board meeting four times a year. Um, and I think on the agenda for the first meeting is is where my plot is, which is I have actually told them it is in the garden at the underneath the tree where I can keep an eye on them both. So um, <laughs> we've, we've set the ball rolling. But it is, it's about making, making a situation like that where we can sit down and, and discuss it with the weekend, with the family. So it's it's a difficult conversations. It's mm. about forward planning, but it's also about having quality time with the family. So we think that's 
kind of a foot through the door. Of, That's cool. To start I like it. Oh, it's really good. Um, I imagine there's going to be wine at the one at Bournemouth. <laughs> oh, definitely. Although the, the gin comes into it in a big way when the, the new ones come home. Yes. You need to make sure you make all of your decisions before that's properly flowing or you never know where you're going to end up by the end of this morning. <laughs> Probably not under that tree anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, ch- children, as we know, also give you curveballs. You know, so um, yeah. I'm fortunate. I've got three um, amazing stepchildren. And at the start of the year, there was no uh, grandchildren on the horizon. Um, we've now got a new granddaughter and one that's imminent. Um, and then about two months ago, uh, my stepson, Andrew, who lives down in uh, Plymouth, um, rang up and asked me what we were doing on the 21st of July um, because he was getting married. So it was, uh, you know, so you just think, well, OK, just when we were getting a little bit of our planning done. And to be honest, we were actually really starting to save quite well um, at that point when you've then got two grandchildren um, and supporting with the wedding. But again, given the due, as Julie was saying before, they didn't ask us for anything. It was, they were wanting to do everything really low key, really casual. Um, and we just kind of helped out a, a little bit um, where we could. And, and thankfully, our diaries were available um, last uh, yeah. last Friday. So it was, yeah, all, all good. But yeah, there will always be happy, challenging um, times and, and life gives us curveballs. Curve I do, I do like the I do like the board meeting idea, yeah. though, because... Um, I think I think because it addresses I mean something I was going to say about the younger generation that I've I've started to notice just recently um, is I think I mentioned this in in the office the other day is that is that because of the stress I'm under with the older generation my my younger generation have started to notice and have started mm. to worry about me mm. as well so you know I, you know when I, I I've got my 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 two eldest children who actually have started to ask me if I'm okay, um, which makes me worry about them more because they're worrying about me and it's a vicious circle. So actually sitting around the table um, and and just explaining, you know, what's going on in in the world of the sandwich um, just so that they know that they know everything's it, all right. I think it's, it's clarity. Okay it? yeah. it's, it's clarity. It's educating them at the same time. And it, it's just keeping that conversation live yeah so that's how we felt that um that it was a way forward and they're old enough now aren't they? yeah 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 but importantly i think it's important to say as well that not everybody has to agree either you know i mean we have this conversation with couples all the time don't yes. we <laughs> that you don't both have to want exactly the same thing that's okay yeah you know we can plan for both it's probably more more often the case than not it is you know, yeah. how often do you get two people who's visions and views on the world and everything are perfectly aligned it's you know probably not very often the reality is it it would probably really very very rarely happen um and but sometimes it's it's a blocker for having a conversation if you think that well that's actually not i don't what i don't want that but i don't want to say because that would upset x um again but so setting that tone for you don't have to want the same thing. And we say that with every new couple that we meet. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, absolutely fine. So, Rachel, we're going to bring the pod to a close shortly. But I, th- I think one of the things we've not explored that I would, I would value your views on is that um, as parents or, you know, living in that sandwich generation, we, we automatically want to do what we can to help our kids if they're in trouble or they need a, a big chunk of cash. You know, is, is it wise just to dip into you know, our pension funds or our our rices or our savings to do that? Um, What I I would say is 
again, talking about the, the sandwich, which is often the neglected party, is make sure that you get advice before giving lump sums of money. So we've had a couple of instances where parents have taken quite large amounts out of their pensions to give to their children to help buy a property, which has then had significant consequences for them themselves, both from what they can do with their pensions in the future, but also leaving themselves short um, and, and a real risk that they would run out of money themselves in the future. So the, the importance of getting advice is is absolutely crucial. Um, and we would help you to prioritize and look at the reality of whether you can do what you want to do. But equally um, as well, when you might have kind of, you, you've got good investments and savings, but you know that that's your cushion for the rest of your life, you really want to help, but you don't want to give a big amount of capital. There's lots of ways now that you can do that, um, whether that's through something called intergenerational mortgages um, or, um, you know, borrowing that you can help to, them to secure the property. There's lots of different ways that you can help your children without necessarily spending the capital that you need. That means you can sleep at night, uh, but you still want to help your children. So advice, as always, is is crucial. Um, because it's not always, as we assume, you're going to have to spend the capital you've got, you don't. Um, and uh, just, again, pick up the phone and ask for advice and talk it through. Right. Well, that feels like a, a perfect point then to to draw this pod to a close. As we said at the start, if you didn't listen to the first half of this, which is very much about the older generation and how you can effectively plan uh, for their lives and their care and how they can plan downwards then uh, please do give it a listen otherwise we look forward to you joining us again for a future podcast uh, ladies thanks very much rachel thank you james Pam. thanks james and julie thanks very much for joining us as Pleasure. our special thank guest thank you Now, we always want to hear what you've got to say about the pod. So if you've got any questions or comments, please head to the social media channels on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Search for Rachel Bell Wealth Management as if by magic the ladies will appear and you will be able to send them a message. Alternatively, you can head to the website rachelbellwealthmanagement.co.uk where you'll find a contact us form. We need you to know that the value of an investment with St. James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds you select and the value can therefore go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invested. The levels and basis of taxation and relief from taxation can change at any time. The value of any tax relief depends on individual circumstances. Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purposes of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which can be found on the group's website sjp.co.uk forward slash products.